On today's episode, Nick Foligno has signed with the Blackhawks less than 24 hours after being acquired from the Bruins. I'll talk about why this was an easy contract for Kyle Davidson to dish out, and I'll also get into my final 2023 NHL draft profile. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, June 27th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Check me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also just a reminder that you could subscribe to the YouTube channel for 100% for free, or you can also listen to the audio version wherever you may be listening to your podcast. That's also 100% for free as well, which is a pretty good bargain if you're asking me. So make sure to go and do that real quick. I'd greatly appreciate all of the support. And also that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. I also got to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Game Time. Make sure to go and download the Game Time app right now to get all of the cheapest tickets for the sports, music, and theater events near you. All right, good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. We got another beefy episode on the slate for the show here today, folks. We're obviously only one day away from Connor Bedard getting selected number one overall. The NHL draft can, uh, kicks off tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Central Time. I believe 6.15 is estimated when the Blackhawks are going to be making their first overall selection. So uh, I'm feeling absolutely giddy like a kid the day before Christmas. I also was wondering, like, if it feels like we're almost uh, anointing a new king here. Like, is this what people used to feel like when uh, a new king was coming in when you were passing the throne on down because that's kind of the vibes that I'm getting with with Connor Bedard about to get picked number one overall tomorrow. It feels like we're going to be naming our new king here in Chicago, and his name is King Connor. But as I mentioned, a very busy slate on tap for the show today, folks. But I figured we'd start with the biggest announcement that came from this morning, which was the Blackhawks signing forward Nick Felino just one day after acquiring him from the Boston Bruins. Of course, the Hawks landed him and forward Taylor Hall from Boston in exchange for pending RFA defenseman Alec Regula and Ian Mitchell yesterday. And while Felino was set to potentially hit the free agent market as an unrestricted free agent on July 1st, right after the deal was announced, uh, general manager Kyle Davidson, based on uh, the words that uh, the, the statement that he made, sure made it sound like he was wanting to go and sign Nick Felino, talking about how he was excited to add someone with his veteran leadership and um, just all his good qualities and all that stuff. It sure made it sound like signing Felino 
was part of Kyle Davidson's plan. And sure enough, it was exactly part of the plan. As I mentioned, less than 24 hours after being acquired, uh, Felino has already inked his deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a one-year $4 million contract through the end of next season. And I know, I know for a fact, there are some of you out there, some Hawks fans uh, who saw or heard that $4 million price tag that the Hawks signed Nick Felino to and went, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me this guy who just had 26 points in 61 games this past season, 10 goals and 16 assists, coming off a year uh, before that where he only scored two goals in 64 games. He's going to be 36 years old by the start of the season. What is Kyle Davidson doing? I hear you, I hear you, but this is exactly what he told us he was going to do. If you were listening, Kyle Davidson said these were moves he was going to make. He was going to give out some extra money in order for the Blackhawks to hit the salary cap floor, and he was going to do it by giving out some short-term deals. And he also, um, we've also heard uh, a couple of times in the offseason how the Blackhawks were looking to add a little bit more of a veteran presence in their lineup. Uh, and they also were wanting to add a top six piece as well. And that's what they got in Taylor Hall. That's obviously uh, a separate conversation, but no one should be complaining or should be upset about the contract that Nick Felino signed here with the Blackhawks today because it was a really easy one for Kyle Davidson to give out for many different reasons. I'm going to outline them for you right now. First off, that was probably what it was going to take to get a veteran like Nick Felino, who could have hit the open market as an unrestricted free agent. That was that would have been his right. He could have elected to do that. So that was probably the price that it was going to take to get a veteran like him. As I mentioned, 35 now, going to be 36. I believe his birthday is actually on Halloween, if I saw that correct. Um, but for a guy obviously in the la- uh, later stages of his career, it was probably going to take a, a pretty penny and a nice offer in order to convince Nick Felino to come to this Blackhawks team that's not going to be contending next season when he only has uh, a couple of years left to go and win a Stanley Cup. You know, it was going to take a nice offer for him to, you know, pass up those opportunities in free agency and to sign with the Blackhawks. Now, I did say on the show yesterday, I thought the contract, I knew it was going to be short-term, which I'll get to in a second, but I guessed it was probably going to be somewhere around half of what he was making on his previous deal, which was a a five-year, $5.5 million AAV deal that he had signed when he was still a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I expected the deal to be cut in half, so I was guessing like $2.753 million, yes, Four is a little bit of an overpay, but at the same time, the Blackhawks have an abundance of cap space. Uh, It's not going to hurt them in the slightest by giving Nick Foligno an extra million dollars, hence why they gave Jared Tenorti $1.25 million for uh, all the effort that he put in last season. So it's not going to hurt the Blackhawks financially there. Uh, I mentioned this also is going to help them reach the salary cap floor ahead of uh, free agency kicking off on July 1st. So it kind of saves them. Maybe I doubt they were ever going to be in a stage of panic, but um, kind of gives them a little bit more freedom and they don't have to rush anything per se, or just deal with all the mayhem that comes with free agency. One of the craziest days of the entire year, I would say that and deadline day are, are the two busiest ones in terms of all the moves going on. And I'm sure all the phone calls that are being made involving the front office. So it saves the Blackhawks Uh, a little bit of that, and it also adds another forward to the mix. So they're probably not going to be 
and this was part of the plan as well, probably not going to be all that aggressive in free agency, at least at the forward position with all the numbers and bodies they have at that spot. And then again, Felino's deal, as I referenced, is only for one year. And it's also a very movable deal at the deadline where the Blackhawks I'm going to guess now are likely to flip him and get assets in return to send him to a contender. You know, these are conversations that uh, a general manager and and players have, right? Especially when it's a one-year deal like this. I'm sure when this deal was going down and the Bruins and the Hawks were figuring it out, I'm sure Davidson mentioned how he wanted to sign Felino and, you know, how he doesn't really want to do anything long-term that probably worked out in Felino's best interest. Um, But he said he'd, I'm sure he said he'd be willing to give him a little bit more money if he would be able to come here and for him to only sign a one-year deal, the Blackhawks are very easily going to be able to move that at the deadline. They can also retain half of that to get his salary down to 2 million to help, you know, make things work for a potential suitor. So uh, it makes sense in terms of the dollar amount for where the Blackhawks are at and Kyle Davidson didn't have to dish out any term, which is clear. He hasn't want to do very much. uh, Hasn't, want to do very much of that here in the offseason. The Blackhawks also check off another box of what they wanted to do in the offseason by adding a veteran leader who has been around for a long time, 15-year veteran, been in some good locker rooms. Obviously, you know, the Bruins season didn't end the way they wanted to. I personally got a good chuckle out of it, but the best regular season team in NHL history, Felino was a veteran leader for that group. And with the Blackhawks rebuilding and having so many youngsters coming through the system this season, I'm sure he's going to be an ideal guy for them to kind of lean on. And he's really going to teach the youngins a lot, I think, both on and off the ice. And he also provides a, a sturdy def- defensive presence and gives the team some more size in their forward group. I also think it was a smart addition to give this Blackhawks team a little bit more ruggedness with Felino being a six foot two, 210 pound big boy that can go in the bottom six. He'll mix it up a little bit and also will protect a player like Connor Bedard or uh, Lucas Reichel. It was just a smart ad for many different reasons. So yes, was $4 million too much for Nick Felino? Yeah, but the Blackhawks can afford to do that. It was only a one-year deal. He makes sense for what they're trying to add to this group and, um, what he's going to provide off of the ice as well. So for many different reasons, there's no reason to be upset about the Blackhawks shelling out a little bit more money for Nick Foligno because it made sense for a plethora of different reasons. All right, folks, coming up in just a moment here, don't go anywhere because I'll be talking about the Blackhawks 2023-2024 schedule release that dropped earlier this afternoon. But first, I need to talk to you all about game time, which is the perfect place for last minute ticket deals and buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy and theater events near you. And I personally have used game time for nearly 10 years now. Funny enough, I just went to the United States Jamaica Gold Cup game on Saturday at Soldier Field. I purchased my tickets through game time. I was just talking with my uncle yesterday and I referenced game time to him. I think it's an app that everybody should have. If you're trying to go to a concert or go to a sporting event, it's always just been the fastest and easiest way for me to purchase my tickets. And I also personally love how they send me images of my seats and provide event cancellation protection. So make sure to go and download the game time app right now, create an account and use the promo code lockdown NHL in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. Again, all you have to do is create an account and redeem the code lockdown NHL 
for $20 off. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed game time. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Real quick, if you haven't done so already, if you're still tuned in to this point of the episode, first, let me say thank you very much, but make sure to go and smash that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. I'm currently on the road to a thousand subscribers. It's been awesome watching the number of viewers jump and how many subscribers I've been getting. Uh, I said I'd like to reach a thousand before the Blackhawks pick Connor Bedard tomorrow night. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but I am closing in on 900. So if you can go and hit that subscribe button real quick, it's not going to cost you anything. And it helps me out tremendously. Help me reach my goal. And also, once I do reach a thousand subscribers, I'm going to be having a giveaway right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. So lots of good stuff coming. It's an exciting time to be a fan of the Blackhawks. Make sure to subscribe to the channel for your one-stop shop on all things Chicago Blackhawks. All right, segment two, let's quickly kind of dive into the Blackhawks 2023-2024 regular season schedule that was dropped earlier this afternoon, kind of lost in all the chaos that's going on right now, right? The Blackhawks acquire Felino and Hall. They sign Felino. Obviously, they're getting Connor Bedard tomorrow. They have a slew of draft picks. Uh, they could potentially move up from 19. They could trade into the first round. I'm wanting to talk about numerous amounts of prospects. So there's a lot going on right now, but I do want to mention some key parts from uh, the Blackhawks schedule release that went down earlier this afternoon. We do officially know when Connor Bedard is expected at least to make his highly anticipated NHL debut as that will come on October 10th when the Blackhawks open up the season on the road against the Pittsburgh Penguins, baby. Connor Bedard versus Sidney Crosby on the season opener out in Pittsburgh. It is going to be a big one, and you know it is going to be nationally broadcasted. The only bad part about landing Connor Bedard, folks, is it's putting the Blackhawks through the absolute ringer earlier on in the season. I mean, right out of the gate, it is an absolute death trap. Their first eight games, there are no gimmies. Um, but, you know, it's going to be fun. At least there's going to be some excitement around this team for the first time in quite a while. And uh, we have seen the Blackhawks open up the season with some tough stretches in years past. I believe each of the last two years, they opened up the season against the Colorado Avalanche on the road. Uh, we have seen them open up the year on the road the last couple of seasons now, and that's going to be the same for 2023-2024. Once again, is the Blackhawks' first five games are going to be held on the road. And listen to the teams they're going to be taking on, Blackhawks fans. They'll open up the season, as I mentioned, against the Pittsburgh Penguins at PPG Paints Arena on October 10th. Their next games are going to come on the road at the Bruins. That's a back-to-back, by the way, against the Penguins and Bruins to open up the year. Then they'll travel north of the border for a matchup. Uh, I believe it's going to be a hockey night in Canada game against the Montreal Canadiens. Then they'll head over to Toronto for a game against the Maple Leafs before uh, heading back to North America and taking on the 2022 Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, a pretty tough start out of the gate, to say the least, for the Blackhawks in their opening five before they head back to Chicago and play their first game at the United Center. That will eventually take place on Saturday, October 21st, 
against the defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. Not going to get any easier for Chicago, even though they are coming back to their home arena. They also will then have a back-to-back against Vegas and then against the Boston Bruins before traveling out to Vegas for their next game. So the opening eight games of the season for the Blackhawks are on the road against the Penguins, on the road against the Bruins, on the road against the Canadians, on the road against the Leafs, on the road against the Avs, at home for the home opener against the defending Stanley Cup champion Knights, at home against the Boston Bruins, on the road against the defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And um, while the Blackhawks uh, are certainly looking like they're going to be much better than last season, maybe not much better, but they're going to be better than last season. Um, That's not saying very much, to be honest. Um, it's not going to be easy for them right out of the gate and uh, wouldn't be crazy to see a similar start to what we saw in 2021 when, not to say his name, Jeremy Colleton was still the head coach of this Blackhawks team. Anyways, to kind of put a, a brighter mood on this dark spot of the Blackhawks' tough opening schedule, we do have some good news, Blackhawks fans, as the Hawks will be having lots more games at home on the weekends this past season as 25 this upcoming season, excuse me, I just realized I said that incorrectly. 25 of the Blackhawks' 41 games this upcoming season, folks, will be held at uh, on either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And uh, they'll actually have seven games on Saturday night at the UC. I think last year they had a total of two or three. And all in all, they just haven't had very many weekend games at home for really the past decade. This is actually... Uh, the most weekend games the Blackhawks are set to have since the 2008-2009 season. And apparently it was something they requested, which is just lovely to hear as a fan who's kind of sick and sick of going all the way out from the suburbs to Chicago to watch the Blackhawks start at 7.30 on a you know Tuesday night. It would be nice to be able to go out with some of my buddies and not be having work the next day so we could just go in and enjoy ourselves and watch Connor Bedard do his thing. So, Uh, Absolutely excited to hear there's going to be lots more games at the UC on the weekend this upcoming season. Uh, A couple other tidbits that I wanted to point out about the schedule. Also wanted to say it is a pretty spacious first quarter of the regular season for the Blackhawks, probably because they're going to be on the road so much and you do need to count for rest and travel days there in between. But they're only going to play 13 games in the opening 37 days of the year. So It is going to be pretty spacious, which, you know, honestly isn't the worst thing in the year. It's going to give this group a lot more time to practice and build some chemistry together in the fall. Obviously, being on the road, that comes with some team bonding as well. But just one thing I wanted to point out, there are going to be a lot of off days there in the opening uh, month or month and a half of the season. And also 28 of their first 50 games will come on the road. A lot of that is playing six of their first eight games of the season on the road as well. But that does does set up for a lot of games at the UC in the back half of the year. Nine of the 10 games, actually, that the Blackhawks play in the month of February are going to come on home ice. So that'll be a nice little stretch at the UC. They also have a four-game stint at home against a lot of West Coast teams in mid-March, and four of their last eight games of the season are at the United Center as well. And one thing I always like to point out whenever the schedule does release is some of uh, the games that could be around holidays, um, just for those of you who are looking to plan ahead and kind of check the calendar just to 
kind of schedule things out. Um, as far as holidays are concerned, the Blackhawks are not going to be playing on Halloween this year, which is a little nice change of pace for, uh, for me as someone who's still in my 20s and likes to go out and enjoy Halloween a little bit. Um, personally, pretty excited they're not going to be playing on Halloween. Uh, they obviously do not play on Thanksgiving. No one in the NHL does. But like we saw this past season, the Blackhawks will, interestingly enough, hold a matinee game on Black Friday at 1 p.m., um, which I think is a very interesting choice in and alone of itself. But they'll be taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs on uh, what's the date of that? I didn't write it down. I think Thanksgiving is the 23rd of November this year. So Friday, the 24th, Black Friday. Pencil it in, 1 p.m. puck drop for the Blackhawks and Maple Leafs. Uh, they also do play on uh, no Christmas Eve games this year, which is, or I guess that never happens, but uh, there is a New Year's Eve game, which is always a little bit tough, but at the same time does give you a little something to kind of get the night started to a little bit. They take on the Dallas Stars at 7 30 p.m. Central Time on New Year's Eve. Uh, they don't play on Easter, so those are really it. That's really it as far as it goes for the holidays. But uh, there's the Blackhawks' schedule for this upcoming season. Most notably, a tough start out of the gate, but a lot of national spotlight for Connor Bedard. There's a reason that the Blackhawks open with that schedule going on the road. Uh, basically into the biggest markets that the NHL has to offer, Montreal, Toronto, Boston, uh, Colorado, Pittsburgh, the biggest markets out there. It's for a reason, and it's because Connor Bedard is coming to sweet home Chicago in a little over 24 hours. All right, folks, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Before I wrap up today's show, I do want to let you know that you should definitely check out Lockdown's 2023 NHL Mock Draft special before everything goes down tomorrow night. The local hosts have made their selections, and Lockdown NHL will break down every pick over a three-day mock draft event. Find the episodes on Lockdown NHL on YouTube or wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. All right, segment three, before I wrap things up, it's time to get into my final 2023 NHL draft profile here on Lockdown Blackhawks. And today, uh, having the honors is none other than 17-year-old forward Quentin Musty, a six-foot-two, 200-pound polarizing forward that played for the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League the last two seasons. And by the way, if you do want to get all caught up on my draft profiles or if there's a certain player you might have missed and want to see my breakdown on them, you can easily go and find those by checking out my YouTube channel. I have a 2023 NHL drafts profile playlist created, and also everything's time-coded in the description, so you can easily jump around from segment to segment. And while you're there, make sure to hit the like button on that video and smash that subscribe button for me as I'm on the road to 1,000 subscribers. All right, though, getting into Quentin Musty a very intriguing prospect that's kind of projected to go all over the place here in the 2023 NHL draft by many different scouts and draft websites. Uh, one of the youngest players in this year's draft as well at just 17 years old. He won't turn 18 until uh, July 6th, I believe is his birthday. And while he's played up in the Ontario Hockey League these last two years, he's actually American born. He grew up in 
New York playing for the uh, Buffalo Junior Sabres in his younger hockey days before being the top overall selection by Sudbury in the 2021 OHL draft. As I mentioned, he spent each of the last two seasons there. He tallied 31 points, 12 goals, and 19 assists in 50 OHL games as a rookie, but then went on a run this year, boomed. Uh, and showed why he was the top overall selection the year prior. He jumped all the way up to 78 points, 26 goals, and 52 assists in 53 games played, and that was actually the highest point-per-game clip among all draft-eligible forwards in the Ontario Hockey League. He beat them all. I believe he was close to 1.5 points per game this past season. And while Musty's best asset, at least to me, is... um, that powerful shot that he possesses. Holy cow. Can this kid absolutely pick top corner? And I'll get a little bit uh, more on that in just a second. I I do think there's been a noticeable progression in his playmaking ability over the last year. And hence why we saw him jump up from 19 assists to 52 and basically uh, the same, um, same amount of games played, you know, he, he jumped, obviously he was a year older and more comfortable in terms of his development process, but he has seemed to be an improved playmaker. I've read that from many different uh, sites and such. And I've also seen what he's done on the ice. Maybe not, you know, obviously the most gifted passer in this year's draft, but does show ability to create space for himself, recognize what's going on in front of him, and make a heads up play or a nice, little bang, bang, read in transition to find one of his teammates. But I do think the shot of his is uh, kind of the bread and butter, which, you know, only had 26 goals in um, 50 games this past season. I mean, nothing to bat an eye at, but I really do think um, he could be a a 30 goal scorer at the NHL level with how hard this kid shoots the puck, able to put it top corner, lots of power behind it. Also, possesses that curl and drag move and does it really swiftly like a lot of the uh, top goal scorers do. And he also pairs that with some great size for only being 17 years old. He's already six foot two, 200 pounds. He kind of has that sturdy power forward type of build. And I mentioned the shot that he pairs that with kind of an improved playmaking ability. And he also, while he isn't maybe Um, the best skater in this year's class by any means. And um, I think his mechanics are a little bit wonky. You do see that mostly with some of the bigger players and it does take them a little bit longer to develop that top end speed. But quite honestly, Quentin Musty gets by pretty good for his size. I mean, I've seen him uh, be able to kind of accelerate himself to numerous breakaway chances in his highlights. He also Uh, does a good job of recognizing plays ahead of time to put himself in good position. And he also has some really solid hands for being six foot two, 200 pounds. I think the stick handling, the puck control is really solid for a player his age. He kind of um, knows how to use his size to drive the net and has the ability to, you know, I, I wouldn't say deke a defender out of his shoes, but I think that's really how he, Uh, finds ways to create space is with his stick handling. It's not necessarily the game breaking speed. While I do think it's um, pretty good for his size. I think it's the hands and the recognition of the game that he pairs together to kind of open up some space, use that playmaking ability, or even uh, create space for himself where he can kind of just drive that powerful shot past you. So all in all, there are 
some really good things to like here with Quentin Musty. As I mentioned, the top points per game player among all draft eligible guys in this year's draft class out of the Ontario Hockey League has the NHL size already at 17, six foot two, 200 pounds. Um, a, a really solid shot, good hands, a decent skater for a guy his size. Really, where the concerns come into play and why some of these. Uh, scouts and sites have him rated much lower than others do is because there are some concerns about his overall consistency. And sometimes he does have a tendency to get lazy on the defensive side of things. Those are really where all of the concerns stem from. But for me personally, I think all the, all the knocks on Quentin Musty are things you can teach. And a lot of a lot of these prospects don't have that ability. He's got the size, he's got the shooting, he's got the playmaking, he's got the hands, he's got the game recognition. You can teach him, you can even teach him the fundamentals of skating a little bit better, which foreshadowing is one of my weaknesses. Um, but it seems like all the things, and look, you don't want to hear that a prospect's lazy and you know has to work on his defensive consistency, but he's only 17 years old, and that happens with a kid from time to time. Are you really going to judge a 17-year-old because he's a little bit more focused on the offensive side of things? Well, maybe that could cause you a, a reason to not be as high on him. I think those are also, like I said, just things that he's going to – be able to learn and pick up once he reaches the professional level. And there's obviously going to be uh, more intensity from a coaching staff focusing on those areas in particular. So I'm not personally as worried about those issues as Quentin Musty and even uh, watching his game from time to time, he does have stints where his, um, where, where his, determination is evident and he is effective on the forecheck and he does use his size to his advantage defensively. It's just few and far between. You would like to see it a little bit more consistently, but I don't think it's any cause for concern for him to drop out of the first round or anything because the talent is certainly undeniable, but it does make for some interesting rankings and different, uh, different, different opinions on Quentin Musty and where he's going to end up. Uh, he was rated as high as number 11 by Dauber prospects and was also ranked as low as 36 by McKean's hockey. All the rankings in between here, he was ranked uh, Musty was ranked 12th by elite prospects, 17th by the hockey news, 20th by the daily Faceoff, 25th by Bob McKenzie, 31st by Sportsnet and Craig button and 32nd by Chris Peters before the last one being 36 by McKean's Hockey. So there are a lot of varying opinions about where Quentin Musty should be ranked. Ultimately, I think he's probably going to go somewhere between 15 and 25, if I had to guess. Um, and as I'll get to here in just a second, could be an option for the Blackhawks if he winds up sliding a little bit later. But breaking down his strengths and weaknesses, as far as the strengths go, I really do think he has an NHL-level wrist shot. The curl and drag is uh, something that I haven't seen many prospects in this draft possess. It's also really accurate there. Uh, has a power forward type of mold at a young age and does show flashes of playing that style. He has really good straight line speed for his size as well. Um, along with really good hands for being a big man and knows how to create space uh, for himself with that tool. He's also an improved playmaker. I, I do think, you know, the goal scoring is probably where he'll be most effective. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's putting up 50 assists really at the NHL level, unless um, something goes incredibly right for him. I, I think uh, uh, top projection would be like a 30, 30, 
type of guy for uh, Quentin Must. As far as the weaknesses go, it's really just more consistency without the puck on his stick. Um, just needs to be showing a determination to want to make an impact in all areas of the game at all times. He has a tendency to get lazy and lost in coverage from time to time, leading to breakdowns. He'll make some bad turnovers, force some passes. But again, things that are teachable, uh, as well as the skating mechanics. Needs to get a little bit better in that area. But as I mentioned, big men do take a little bit longer to develop with those areas. So as far as my consensus here with Quentin Musty, uh, I personally would be willing to take a chance on him. But if I had to guess, there probably will be someone I like better available at number 19. Uh, as far as my projection for him, I think he projects as a top six playmaker with goal scoring ability and size, if all goes well. And I do think he is for sure a power play one threat with the type of skill set that he has. Um, and given that the Hawks are kind of in a position where they could take a risk, I would be taking a chance on a guy like Musty who has some size, which is also something I, I think they need to add in their forward group as well as uh, in addition to undeniable skill. I don't think he probably winds up being the pick at number 19. Um, but I do think there, there would be um, that there are worse options and worse prospects than I've broken down and Musty. Uh, is a lot better than a majority of them, at least in my opinion. So I don't think he's going to be the selection at number 19, but I do like what I see here. And I know it's probably unlikely for the Blackhawks, but he would be someone I'd trade late into the first round for. I just personally don't like him as much as I like Nate Danielson, uh, Samuel Hanzak, or even Riley Height, who I know is projected to go a little bit later. But if I were the general manager of the Blackhawks, I'd, I'd bet that one of those three guys that I just mentioned, in addition to, you know, a Colby Barlow, a Gabe Perot, a Matthew Wood, I expect one of those six players, I think it was that I just mentioned, will be available at number 19. And I like all of them just a little bit more than I like Quentin Musty. All right, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, folks, thank you again for tuning into the show. And make sure go and smash that subscribe button down below and to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. And that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2 or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.